Welcome to Matt Noel Ministries Sermon Podcast. Feel free to download these sermons and share them with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. God bless. This morning I'm going to talk to you a message about faith, and um, we'll get into it shortly here. This morning before I left, I came to the church early. Uh, my wife wanted to pray with me, and she prayed that uh, God would confirm to me that the word he gave to me um, was the, certainly the word he wanted me to preach, that he would confirm it somehow this morning when I came to the church, is what she prayed for me. So I came to the church, I had my coffee and my muffin, Pastor Dale talked to me a bit, showed me some things, and I went to the back area of the church just before, uh, around 10 o'clock, quarter to 10, and I was just praying, having some quiet time, and then the Lord reminded me, or I reminded, remembered that I had to write down my scriptures for Carol for the screen. And so I didn't have a pen, so I came out to the back front information table there, and I just looked and grabbed the first pen that I found. I mean, you don't think too much about grabbing a pen, really. If you do, wow, there's (laughs) crazy, ooh, something's wrong. So I just grabbed the pen and uh, went back to my area and and was just uh, writing uh, writing the scriptures on a little sticky note. And as I was writing this sticky note, I looked down at the pen, and the pen says, faith. And I tell you, in that moment, I started rejoicing and saying, thank you, Lord. There's the answer to my wife's prayer. He confirmed that the word I have for you this morning is not a word from Matthew Noel. I have nothing to give you. I have nothing to offer you, church. But God has given me a word, and now by his spirit, he's going to give it to you. So are you ready to receive the word that I know he's given? Amen. I love that. I'm confident. I'm confident in that. So let's start in Acts chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, Acts 14. If not, you can look on the screen. Amen. We find here in this passage that Paul, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas are ministers of God and they're ministering Jesus, they're preaching about Jesus, and they're currently in the place called Lystra, and they're doing the work of the Lord, they're, they have faith and they're seeing people um, crippled, uh, a crippled man is, is healed and is, it becomes healed and whole, and they're preaching Jesus, and some of the Jews in this area, they don't like it, they don't like how Paul and Barnabas are preaching about Jesus, and so we read here in verse 19, Then some Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there to Lystra, and having persuaded the multitudes or the people, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. I'm pretty sure they didn't want to hear what he was saying. And back then, what they would do in times of stoning, there was times where they would tie the hands and the feet to a tree, and just pummel the people with stones until they're dead. Or they would put the people in a pit that was a few feet higher than their, than their head. They would bury them waist high in dirt or sand or rocks. And they would pummel them with rocks until they were dead. And this is the type of stoning that Paul endured as in the scripture we just read. They didn't like Jesus. They didn't want to hear about Jesus. And so they decided to stone Paul. And they dragged him out of the city, and the Bible says they supposed him to be dead. Now, maybe he was dead, maybe he wasn't quite dead on the brink of dead, but he's in bad shape nonetheless, if he's not fully dead. But they supposed him to be dead, the scripture says. Verse 20, however, when the disciples gathered around him, maybe they started to pray. Maybe they started to pray that God would raise him back to life again. I believe that. I believe that. Amen? They gathered around Paul, and he rose up. And went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city. And made many disciples. They then returned back to Lystra. Where he was just stoned. So Paul is stoned. He gets up. Moves on to the next city. Preaches Jesus some more. Sees sees many people saved and baptized. And come to the faith. And then he goes back, no fear in this guy, he goes back to the place where they just stoned him again. He's either crazy or just awesome. 
And I think he's awesome, amen? (laughs) Paul believed God. He just believed God. And he didn't just go back, but listen to what he did when he went back to Lystra. He says, he returned to Lystra, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. In other words, your Christian life is not going to be a walk in the park church. Especially nowadays, in the days that you and I are living in, it is not going to be a walk in the park. And many of us know that. We know the tribulation. We know the suffering. We know the persecution. Suffering and Jesus. Suffering and Christianity. They go hand in hand, church. It's all through scripture. And so Paul comes back and he says, listen, remember what happened to me. I was just stoned. I was dead. I came back to life and I kept preaching Jesus. Why? Because I have faith. That's it. Because I, Paul, I don't walk by sight. I don't walk by feelings. I don't walk in natural fear. Even though I might have it, I still walk by faith. And he says, I encourage you today, don't fear. Don't give in. Keep going by faith. Amen? And coming from a dude that was just stoned is amazing. That has substance. You see, anybody can say, hey, bro, just keep, keep believing. And he doesn't have any problems in his life. But with you, when you're a Christian and you got things going down in your life that are messing you up and playing with your thoughts and your mind and your family and your money and all that stuff, and you can say, keep going in faith, you have something. Amen? You have something. He keeps preaching Jesus and encouraging Christians to continue in faith. Many of us know, are familiar, I'm sure all of us have known, the world knows of Pastor Saeed Abdeni. He's a Christian pastor from Idaho. And in the summer of 2012, he was jailed in Iran for being a Christian. And they entitled it, they gave him, they said, you're arrested for something else, but it's because he loves Jesus, is why he's arrested. And I want to just read something here to you in regards to Pastor Saeed. He's currently, right now, as I'm preaching here, he's in prison in Iran. And his wife and two children are in Idaho, America. He's a convert from Islam to Christianity. Saeed made frequent trips to Iran and had been warned by the Muslim nation against his involvement with house churches. Instead, he had returned to continue building a government-approved orphanage. While he was there, Saeed was pulled off of a bus, charged with undermining national security, and sentenced to eight years in prison, which has resulted now in torture, brutal beatings, as well as the pressure to recant his faith. Pastor Saeed has become the face of the persecuted Christian church worldwide, one of many Christians around the world who face imprisonment, beatings, and even death for their faith in Jesus. Pastor Saeed wrote a letter from prison just before Christmas of of what we just celebrated here. And this is a portion of his letter. These conditions have made this upcoming Christmas season very hard, cold, and shattering for me. This is from a prison cell. It It happens that I am alone with no one left beside me. These cold and brittle conditions have made me wonder why God chose the hardest time of the year for him to become flesh and why he came to earth in the weakest human condition as a baby. Why did God choose the hardest place to be born in the cold weather? Dear sisters and brothers, the fact of the gospel is that it is not only the story of Jesus, but it is the key of how we are to live and serve like Jesus. Today, we, like him, should come out of our state of comfort zone in order to proclaim the word of life and salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. This is a man who has been beaten so badly with no medical care given to him to the point of death. He's away from his wife. He's 34 years old. I'm 33. I have a wife. I have two children. This is me in the Iranian prison. I couldn't fathom it, church. I couldn't fathom, I couldn't imagine for a moment being there for a day, being in that condition away from my wife who's in another country and I'm being beaten and I'm pressured to to turn from Jesus. I could not imagine being that man right now. 
And yet he still is writing at the Christmas season in jail, faith in Jesus. He's got something. And there's been talks just this week that Obama, Ob- President Obama met with his family and he says he's going to do all he can to bring him home. I pray, I've been praying for Pastor Saeed. My, he, there's a burden there because I relate. That's me. So it burns in my heart. I pray for him that God has mercy and brings him home to his wife and kids who need him. Amen? But Pastor Saeed has got something. He has faith. In my message title this morning is your faith, my faith. Your faith is a target of Satan. Your faith is Satan's target. The word target means this. A person or a thing or a place that has been selected as the aim of attack. Your faith, Christian, is the aim of attack from Satan himself. And he will send demonic forces your way to steal you of your faith in Jesus. He will do whatever he can to cause you to turn from your faith in Jesus and to believe the lie of the carnival. It's absolutely true. And some of you this morning, you have great faith. And I mean that. You have strong faith. Maybe your faith this morning, Christian, has gone through the furnace of the fire of affliction. Amen? And out of that, because you trusted God and you didn't let the enemy take your faith, you came through that fire and your faith is strong today. Maybe today your faith is just maybe normal. You'd say it's normal. I have faith in Jesus. I do trust God. You know, you go through everyday life, but, but your faith is just, you, you have a good faith. Maybe today you're here this morning and your faith has been rocked. Maybe your faith has been shaken like never before right now and you're sitting here. And you have no idea why or what to do or how to get through it, even for an hour. Amen? Maybe that's you today. Whether it's strong or whether it's weak, listen, Satan wants all of it. He wants all of it, church. We must cling to Jesus. Thank God Jesus said all we need is faith the size of a small faith. So if that's you this morning and your faith has been rocked, but you still have faith the size of a mustard seed, you're good. Amen? You're good. Hold on to that mustard seed. Let nothing take that from you, church. And God will prove himself to you. Amen? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. We're going to look more at the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul says in verse 24, from the Jews five times, he's talking more about Paul's sufferings here. From the Jews five times, I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. We just talked about that, didn't we? Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils or in troubles of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brothers, in weariness, in toil, in sleeplessness. Often, can you relate to that church? Weariness and toil and sleepless nights in hunger, in thirst, in fastings, often in cold and nakedness. Verse 28, besides these other things, what comes upon me daily, this thing, this one thing right now, it comes upon me every single day, is my deep concern for all the churches. Are you kidding me, Paul? You're going through all of this stuff, and yet your deepest concern you have every single day is the church. That is selflessness. Amen? What a leader Paul was. For him to go through all that garbage, all that oppression, all that hardship, and yet still say, it's not about me. I'm concerned about the church. Lord, make me a leader like that. Make me a young pastor like that. 
Amen? My deep concern is the church. And we find this out in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. He's talking to the church at this time. It's in Thessalonica. He says that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. If you're going to be a Christian, you are appointed for affliction. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened. And you know, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you. Paul says, I sent someone to see how your faith is. I know you're going through trouble. I know you're going through tribulation. This is not a surprise, but I care and I want to see how you are in your faith, he says. Verse 6, but now that Timothy has come back to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you, listen to this. Therefore, brothers, in all of our afflictions and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. That is a heart of a pastor. That is the heart of a leader in God's church for God's people right there. That I am concerned about your faith. And when I heard that you have faith the size of a mustard seed, when I, when I heard you have great faith, when you have any kind of faith, you're not letting go. You're still going strong, standing firm for Jesus by faith alone. He says, now I can live. Now I can truly live. Now I can lay my head down at night and be at peace and sleep well because the church of Jesus is trusting in Jesus. And not in man. And not in themselves. Amen? What a great example of a leader Paul was here for the church. I love it when people who are going through hard times, and you and I, we all know people, even in this own congregation, people have gone through difficult times and yet they hold on to their faith. And I praise God even how evident it is. They're worshiping God through the storms. They're praising God through the storms. Why? Maybe they only have mustard seed faith, but it's, it's all they need, and it brings forth praise to God. I'm so blessed and encouraged by that. When Christians who are going through the storms, they still say, I'm still trusting Jesus. I don't understand why I'm going through this. I don't have any answer at all, but I know Jesus and I trust in him. Amen? Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. How many know it's a fight? It's a fight. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Every single day is a fight. It's true. And the list goes on of what you fight. Your fight might be different than my fight. In fact, many our fights are different. But it's a fight nonetheless. And Paul says it's not just a fight. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. What more can I do? What more can I do as I'm fighting this fight than keep the faith? I can't punch the devil hard enough. He's too strong for me. He's too cunning for me. He's too big for me. He's faster than me. I can't do that on my own. So I'm going to fight this fight, and I fought the fight, and I've kept the faith. I did not let it go. The word kept means to protect, to guard, to watch over, and to maintain it. God has given us responsibility, church. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit. Yes, we have the Word of God. And those things empower us in our faith. But we have a responsibility as children of God to nurture our faith, to guard our faith, to let nothing come in our lives that can take that faith from us, church. It's our responsibility. It's true, amen? And Paul says, I'm watching over it. I'm maintaining it through prison cells, through stonings, through shipwrecks. No one's going to take my faith in Jesus. No one is what Paul says. Listen, our faith, guys, we will have questions. We will have doubts. We will go through times where it's hard. We feel so empty. But like I said already, if it's just a small amount, then you're good. You're okay. God is for you. God is with you. And you're going to come through. Amen. That's normal. We're not called or expected to be super Christians. Amen? Would the one super Christian please stand up right now and tell me how you do it? Could you do it? Stand up. Please tell me. 
How do you get through your days with no struggles, no pressure, no temptation, no fights, no worry, no concern, no fear? How do you do it? Tell me. How do you do it? Oh, that's right. You don't. Because we're in this together. Because it's a battle. And you know what? Through all of that, we're good if we hold on to our faith. And we refuse to let Satan take that. I think of the parable of the sorrel. Jesus talked about how the sower. Jesus talked about in the one section. I'm not going to get too deep into it. But when the word is given, Satan's there and he's trying to pull it from you. Even now, some of you, you feel the, the, the lies of Satan saying, not you. This is not for you. You're too far gone. You're too messed up. Your situation is different than what he's talking about. He's lying to you. Right now, you're hearing those voices. You need to say, no. I'm holding on to this seed. And you will not take this from me, Satan. It's true. Amen? First Timothy 4 verse 1 says, Now the Spirit of God expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. The Spirit of God is telling us through Paul's writing that in the later times of life, when deception becomes so strong, when pressure of life is too much to bear, some are going to depart from the faith. And they're going to listen, they're going to give in, they're going to give heed to deceiving or lying spirits and doctrines of demons. They're going to hear those voices and they're not going to stand firm in their faith. They're going to just, and under the pressure, they're going to cave in and they're going to let go of that. And they're going to depart from the faith, is what the scripture says here. Chapter 6, verse 20 says, O Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 6, excuse me, 1 Timothy 6 verse 20. Paul says, O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust, avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen is what he says and closes the letter. Profane, which means secular or worldly or ungodly lies that even preachers nowadays are giving their people. And Christians will maybe hear these things and contradictions, he says. There's things that contradict the word of God, but there's no discernment. People are so, so going through craziness in their lives that they just give in to these, these false teachings and these contradictions that it causes them to just give up and lose faith. And Satan grabs their faith and plucks it from them. And they find themselves searching for Buddha. They're searching for something else. There's got to be something more real than what I had. Because right now there's nothing. I got nothing. I know my faith is gone. It's dead. Because they gave in. And they let that little mustard seed just go. Because of how tough it can get. The key that I believe, in fact I know, is you and I, we need to know the Bible. About two weeks ago, I was going through a a dry period in my life. I'd wake up and my prayer life would be, oh God, I need you. And I wouldn't feel his presence. Am I the only one? Those alone times with just you and the Lord. Let's be real, you're crying out to God, God, where are you? I don't feel your presence, Lord. Are you even real? Do you even care? Do you even know? Why do, why do I wake up with this heaviness, Lord? My heart is right. My life is right. God, I'm seeking you by faith. I'm trying to read the word of God, and it just seems like nothing's coming to me. How many of y'all know what this is like? It's true, isn't it? It's true. And I remember two weeks ago, I was feeling this way. I'm like, God, I need you. I want to know you, Lord. I want to know your presence in my life. God, I want to know you more. That was my prayer. But I didn't feel it. And I opened up the book of Luke. And I just started reading. I just forced myself. I'm going to read. Sometimes you got to do that. Let's keep it real. Don't, don't, don't think you just open it and boom, it's just come so easy. Satan's the last thing he wants you to be reading right now. You got to say no. I'm shutting this off. I'm going downstairs. Leave me alone. i got to see God. 
and I just forced myself and I started reading the book of Luke in the beginning there, just about how how Jesus was walking from town to town and how he would touch the coffin of the dead person and how he would go, people were coming to him and, 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 and to see the power of Jesus. I know these stories. I know this already, but I had to read it again. And I tell you, church, I started, I just, I kept reading and I felt that stirring come within me, church. I felt something come alive because I didn't just give in and fall asleep. I didn't just give in and say, oh God, maybe tomorrow. I said, no, I'm going to read and I'm going to find you, God. And I just kept reading and I was so encouraged to see how messed up the disciples were. I was encouraged by that. To see how Jesus would say, where is your faith? I'm like, that's me. That's me. Praise God. That's me. Oh Lord. I'm just like Peter. That's me. Praise God. I'm in the Bible. And that encouraged me. And I tell you, I'm not lying to you. I'm not exaggerating. That whole day, that was early in the morning. To be honest, it was a Sunday morning two weeks ago. I got up and I felt something stirring and brewing inside of me. And it was the Holy Spirit. And he was just saying yes. And he was stirring up my faith again. And he was stirring up that his presence is very real. And it felt good. I felt a physical, mental, emotional change. I'm telling you, it affects everything, church. But you got you to gotta do it. You got to just break through that heaviness and that tiredness. And it's a fight. But, oh, God is good. And our God is greater. Amen. Amen. I like when you clap because I can get a drink. (laughs) Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It says that faith comes by hearing. We hear this all the time. And hearing by the word of God. We hear all, but it's so true. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. I just, I just told you my story. It's true. It's true. The living word. Amen. Ephesians 6 with me, please. Another very familiar passage. Verse 10, Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. I want to do that, but I feel so weak, right? Oh, that verse is so good, but how do I do it? Oh my goodness, how do I do it? It's true. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord, and the power is might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. We're talking about this. The devil is our accuser. He's our enemy. He wants to devour us. He wants to rob us of our faith. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Amen. Praise God. Once you, I'm standing. Then just keep standing. I'm standing, but my knees are trembling. Good. You're still standing. Then just keep standing. That's all you got to do, he says. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Listen to verse 16. What are those first two words? Above all. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Above all, keep your faith. Your shield might just be that little mustard seed. You're like, there's my shield right there. But above all, you keep that faith in Jesus. Because Satan wants to knock you out and take that faith from you. I used to box. Any boxers in the house? Wannabe boxers? (laughs) Wannabe, yeah. I'm not fighting you. (laughs) I used to box when I was 17 years old. I boxed for a year, and um, so I started training at the club. Um, the gentleman, Arnie Beam, was the gentleman who initially trained Lennox Lewis. You know Lennox Lewis. Pastor Dale knows Lennox Lewis. <laughs> so I'm boxing, and I'm training. I'm 17 years old, and there's some other guys around there, and we're skipping and you know, doing the, the, the punching bag and the, and the gloves and learning all the things and all that. Because I, I love Rocky Balboa, you know, I just, come on, I, I want to do it. The eye of the tiger, it's in the time. 
And so I'm, I'm training and stuff, and, and I, I was there for a few months, and, and next thing you know, like, they started saying, so uh, when do you want to have your first fight? I'm like, what? I honestly didn't think about fighting. I just kind of wanted to have the, I have the tiger in my ears and just, you know, say I'm a boxer. I don't want to fight. <laughs> you kidding me? You mean, like, boxers have to fight? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And so I didn't say that. Oh, I didn't say that. That's the truth. I didn't say it. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's, uh, sure, when, whenever you want, just let me know, coach. And uh, there was another guy in the, in the gym training. I'm 17. This guy was 25. Come on, what's up? Any 25-year-olds? <laughs> and so, uh, so we, we plan a day, like in three weeks, we're going to have a fight. And, um, and so I started training hard, and I'm like, man, this is crazy. So we show up for the fight night. Some, uh, my, my parents came out to see it. I have it on film. I should have brought it. It's on VHS, but we got one, I think. I got it. It's a true story. I can show you. If you don't believe me, just come to my house, and I'll put it on for you. And so um, so we get in the fight, and I'm they put the headgear on, thankfully. And they, <laughs> I got the headgear on, and I'm in my corner, and he's in his corner, and I'm, I'm ready. I trained hard. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Right now, it's like, no turning back. No turning back, Matthew. You ain't chickening out. People are here. I had some, you know, girls from my work come out to see me. I'm 17. You know, I, 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 I'm going forward here. Forward. <laughs> True story. So, we start fighting. The plan was to go three rounds. And you say three rounds. If you try boxing for three minutes times three, oh my goodness. You are wiped out. And I didn't have a clue. I'm like, three rounds? Come on. So we start round one, all me. I'll show you the tape. All me. I just go up flying. I look like a giraffe who just got out of the womb. I'm like. <laughs> it's true. That's what I'm like. <laughs> it's true. He's, he's like, oh, my goodness. You know, he didn't know what came out. I'm like, what is this? So I just start, and I'm hitting them. And, I, and I'm feeling good, and I'm and you hear in the tape, <laughs> and I'm just heaving. I'm like, oh my goodness! So round one, ding ding. I go back to my corner, and I'm in my corner, and oh, and, no, I need more time. No, no, come on, round two. We start round two, and I'm like, and I go out there, and first my first shot. And round two, I just whack, and I whack him good. He doesn't go down, but I whack him really good. The best punch of the whole fight so far. <laughs> Whew. And I'm slowly wearing him down. I am. I'm wearing him down. I can tell. I'm wearing myself down. <laughs> he's, probably, he's probably like, come on, bud, keep doing it. You don't know what you're doing. Maybe that's true, actually. Now that I think about it, he knew what he was doing. Man, if I could turn back time. So I hit him. And that one punch, it really, I could tell in the video, it, he got angry. And, and, he, and he's, he's a shorter guy, but he's strong. And he comes at me, and he just starts going at me. And, he, he just start, and I'm like, this draft is getting crazy. And, and he just starts, boo, boo. And next thing you know, I didn't even see it coming. Whack, right in the side of my head. No word of a lie. All I saw was white. I thought I was going home. I thought, oh, my goodness. All I saw was white. And I literally, no word of a lie, ask her, call her. My mom's like, ah! You hear it on the tape. Ah! And I literally went through the ropes. And I was dangling half my body outside the ring in the ropes. True story. I have it on tape. But guess what? Guess what? I get back up. I get back up. I didn't want to get back up, but I did. And my trainer comes up to me. I'm like, he's like, you okay? I think so. I don't know. I think I'm. True story. And it shook me up. They gave me the 10 count, you know, make sure you're fine. And, and I went back in, and by the grace of God, I finished round two. We went to start round three, and turns out he quit. 
he didn't want to go on anymore. He gave up. His excuse was he had a burrito before the fight, and he was having cramps. That's what he said. No, no, I beat him up. I beat him up. Even though I was the one to get knocked down, Matt Noel did not stay down. I beat him. Did you get it? Did you get it, church? They train, they train young boxers. The one thing that they will train young boxers. After that, I said, I'm retiring. I'm an undefeated champion. <laughs> Kitchener Waterloo Boxing Academy, Matt Noel, undefeated champion. Lightweight. Giraffe weight. But they teach young boxers, listen to this. They teach young boxers that the one thing you need to protect more than anything else, does anybody know? Of course your head, but there's a certain spot. Your chin. Your chin. And there's one thing that you want to aim for. Oh, you want to hit them hard. Where? In the chin. The chin has no padding, unless you got a big beard. Maybe that some boxers keep a big beard, but it's got no padding. If you just feel your chin, it's it's all bone. It's it wiggles, and if it wiggles too far, it hurts. And it's the weak spot in a boxer, and it's the most crucial spot that they need to protect. If that fighter hits hard, what happens if you get hit hard in the chin? I'm glad he didn't hit me in the chin. In most cases, they say, if you get hard enough in the chin, I want to just read this to you so I don't, I don't, uh, it says, a punch to the chin causes the head to suddenly spin around. This quick motion causes trauma to the brain that knocks the recipient out, leaving him unconscious. In most cases, a proper, good, solid punch to the chin of your boxing opponent will knock him out and the fight will be over and he won't get up. Do you see what I'm saying? If he had hit me in the chin, chances are I wouldn't have gone up. Because they say most cases, they're, 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 it's over. The fight is over. Guard your faith like it's your chin, church. Satan is your opponent. He is punching and he's trying to take out your chin. He's trying to take out your faith. And if he can knock you hard enough in your faith and rob it from you, it's over. The fight is over. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's by grace through faith that we are saved. Faith is the absolute most crucial thing that we must cling to and hold on to. Amen? Amen. 1 Corinthians 16.13 says, Watch, stand fast or firm in the faith. Firm means to be fixed or settled in a position, be brave and be strong. I want to talk about two points and then we'll close. One huge area where the enemy wants to try to rob you of your faith is in times of failure. Sometimes as Christians, we will fail the Lord. True story? We've all been there. And if you haven't, you will be there. Because we're carnal flesh. We live in a broken world with numerous temptations and pressures and things all around us every single day. Amen? And at times, you and I, we fail. God, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I think that? Why did I go there? All these things, right? The Bible says that it's a, it's a war between the flesh and the spirit. They're warring at each other. And so it's, our, it's by faith and by God's grace and by his, the power of his spirit, by the truth of the word of God, that we overcome. But the, yet the reality is at times we fail God. And Satan loves, he's watching and he knows, he knows your weakness. He knows the things that will trip you up. And when you get tripped up, instead of you getting back up and saying, Oh God, I get up, have mercy on me, strengthen me that I can keep walking by faith. He wants to come to you before you have a chance to do that and to knock you down and to keep you down and to rob you of your faith so that you feel like such a failure in your life, there's no more hope for you. It's a real, real scheme of the enemy. Amen? Let's read about this in Luke 22, please. At this time, Jesus 
is preparing himself ultimately for the cross. But at this time, he's preparing himself to enter into the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus here is talking to his disciples. And in particular, in this passage, he's in verse 31 of Luke 22. He's talking to Peter, Simon or Simon Peter. And the Lord said in verse 31, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, he's talking to or Peter, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. And it's interesting because this is so similar to Job, is it not? In the spirit, if, if, if our eyes right now could be open to the spirit realm, we would be awestruck. We would see angels and demons fighting all over. Do you believe that? The spirit realm is more real than the natural realm. And, and in the book of Job, Satan goes, presents himself to God and, 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 and says, I want Job. I, I, I want to wipe out Job. He only believes you because of how blessed he is. And God actually permits Satan, or Satan to go and to wreak havoc in Job's life. Is that true? It's true. Like He permits it. He gives Satan permission to attack Job like none of us have ever been attacked before. But yet Job maintained his faith and said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And, and, and I don't want to get too deep into that, but we find a similarity here with Peter. It's like in the spirit realm, Satan wants to come and get Peter now. He, and, and he says, he says, Jesus, Jesus says, Peter, indeed, Satan has asked for you, just like Job, in Job's case, that he might sift you as wheat. When, when farmers are, are sifting wheat, it, it's, it's vigorous shaking. You gotta shake it up to, to get the wheat kernels separated from the dirt and debris. How many of you have been shaken before by the, the, the fiery darts of the, of the enemy? How many of you have? It's so, it's so real. And, 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 and Jesus, Jesus is telling Peter, Satan wants to come and shake up your faith. He wants to shake up your world, Peter, is what he tells Peter. He says, Jesus says, but I have prayed for you. Wow, what? Jesus says, I have prayed for you, Peter. What? What, what did he pray? That he would get in his nice brand new car and drive off and be safe from the devil? That he would just, the devil would somehow miss him and he would just keep living a, a happy life with no problems? Is that what he prayed? No, Jesus knew he had to go through it. Jesus knew that this was going to happen. Jesus knew that this fight was about to take place in Peter's life. And what did Jesus pray? That your faith does not fail you. Wow. That your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, after Peter was restored, praise God, strengthen your brothers. And Peter did just that. Listen, Satan knew. Satan must have known that the, the hand of God was upon this man, Peter. He must have known somehow that in a, in a short month's time, you know, in a short, excuse me, time frame, Peter was going to be the rock that, that Christ would, would build his church on. That, that Peter would be a great leader in, in the early church of Jesus Christ. That, that, that Peter would one day be filled with the Holy Spirit. He knew that somehow Jesus would, would, would die and raise to life again and give Peter the power of his Holy Spirit. We read that in Acts chapter 2. He somehow knew that Peter in Acts chapter 2 verse 41 would see 3,000 people come to Christ in faith in Christ in one church service. He must have somehow knew that in Acts chapter 3, Peter would have the faith in Jesus to believe that a lame man could be healed. He must have somehow have known that in Acts chapter 4, 5,000 more people would come to faith in Jesus. He must have somehow known that uh, Peter wouldn't stop preaching about Jesus even when his own life was threatened. Stop preaching Jesus, and yet he wouldn't. And he saw fruit because of it. Amen? Somehow, Satan knew that there's a mighty call on this man of God. And he wanted to wipe him out. And how was he going to wipe him out? 
he was going to steal his faith. And Jesus prays for him. Oh, oh God, don't let Peter's faith fail him. He is going to go through a really, really, really difficult time right now. He is at war. Satan's breath is beside him. His lies, all these attacks of the devil, the devil, excuse me, are right at Peter. But Father, don't let his faith fail him. Keep his faith strong. Amen. Is the prayer of Jesus. And Peter says, Lord, no, no, not me. I'm ready to go out with you both to prison and to death, Peter says. And Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. But Jesus prayed because he knew Peter was going to go through this. And when Satan sees that you fail, he will be all over you. Look at verse 54. Having arrested Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. And now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with Jesus. But Peter denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them, speaking of the disciples. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed saying, excuse me, confidently affirmed him saying, surely this fellow also was with him for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. Immediately while he was speaking those words, the rooster crowed and Jesus turned and looked at Peter and Peter then in that moment remembered the word of the Lord how he has said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Have you ever been there before? God, why did I do that? Man, God, why did I do that? Oh, Father. Lord, I am ashamed right now. Do you think Jesus, when he looked at Peter, do you think he looked at him like, told you so? Do you think so? No, no. He looked at him with, Peter, I love you. Trust me. I knew this was coming. I'm not taken off guard by this. I already told you this was going to happen. Peter, look at me. Trust me. Just keep walking by faith right now, Peter. I know you're weeping bitterly because you feel so bombarded by condemnation because of your sin. You've been there before? I've been there before. Satan loves to bring up things from your past that you've done, that you've regretted. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And he loves to every single day bring it before you. You're a failure. You're a joke. You're not a Christian. You're not a leader. You're not a pastor. What kind of man? What kind of woman are you? And he wants to come. And his whole purpose of that is for you to believe it. And Jesus is there. Even when, he, when, even when you don't feel him, he's there and he's looking at you and he's saying, just keep your eyes on me. And he lets the voices of the enemy continue to lie to you. Not all times will Jesus put a, a, a shut the devil's mouth. True story. It's like, God, why does this keep happening to me? It's like Paul, when he had the thorn in the flesh, he's like, God, take this from me. And God said, no. What did he say? My grace is sufficient for you. Well, how do I get your grace? Faith like a mustard seed. Oh, this simple truth, church, is absolutely crucial in these wicked days that we're living in. It is absolutely crucial. Amen? Proverbs 24, verse 16. It says, for a righteous man, a righteous woman, a Christian may fall seven times. God, why did I do this? Oh, why did I do it again? Why did I do it again? It's like this carousel of, again, the carnival. Amen? What a word from God. Man. I love when it knits together. Amen? Oh, I love that. 
Time and time again, a righteous person may fall seven times. But it goes on to say, but he rises again. As long as he keeps his faith, as long as he holds on to Jesus, as long as he looks over to see Jesus looking at him or her, he will rise again. No matter what, no matter how bad it is, no matter how frequent it might, might seem, no matter what, maybe it's 700 times, you'll rise again if you look to Jesus with, with a sincere heart. Amen? It's so true. Psalm 121, verse 1 to 2. The psalmist says, where does my help come from? How many of y'all need help? Man, in my life, sometimes my prayers are honestly, Lord, I need you. Help me. True? Your prayers don't have to be so sophisticated, church. You don't have to pray in the Hebrew tongue. You don't have to pray in, in King James Bible. Sorry, Pastor Dale. You don't... <laughs> I know he agrees with me. He agrees with me. You can have all the fancy prayers in the world. You can pray for an hour when all God wants to hear is, Lord, I need you. I need you. You don't have to say another word. Help me, God. Help. I'm struggling. Help. And David says, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. It comes from the Lord. If you need help, don't look to Dr. So-and-so. Don't. Maybe, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Hear my heart. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Ultimately, look to Jesus. And then he might lead you to a doctor. True story. It's true. But ultimately, first, oh, God, I turn to you. There's no help for me in this world. I turn to Jesus. I turn to Jesus. And he will help you. He will help you. It may not be easy, but he will help you because he's looking at you like you looked at Peter. So if you're struggling with failure, if you failed before and you hear those lies of Satan, rise up in faith. Rise up in faith, guys. And move on and rebuke Satan in Jesus' name because you, as a born-again Christian, you have authority in the name of Jesus over him. And if you have to rebuke him numerous times a day, you keep rebuking him. The Bible says if you resist him, he'll flee. It doesn't say right away. It doesn't say he'll leave you right away. It says you've got to keep resisting him and keep worshiping and keep that faith. Amen? We're going to turn to Habakkuk and then we'll close. Habakkuk chapter 1. So oftentimes when we fail the Lord, we make a mistake, we fail God, the enemy's there trying to steal our faith, trying to destroy our faith, amen? Second, a second thing I want to talk about is just when, when things get bad, when life gets hard, when, when discouragement comes in, when family struggles arise, when there's trouble at work, when there's trouble with your children, when there's trouble with your marriage, when there's trouble with your money, when, when life just gets hard, the enemy wants to come in and will try to come in at that time and rob you of your faith. Look at what you're going through. Look at the battle you're in right now. You're trusting God? You're going to go to church and praise the Lord? <laughs> Why? Look at your mess. You're, you're not going to pay rent tomorrow. Tomorrow's the first. You're not going to pay rent. And yet you're going to go praise God? Amen? And in that moment, you have a choice to make. No, you're not taking this from me. I have faith. I know it's small, but I have faith. And you go to church and praise the Lord. And you watch him take care of your rent or whatever it is. Oh, it's true. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But this is another time when things get bad, when the storms are raging, that he will come. Habakkuk 1. This is the account of the burden, it says, the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. This is the vision that Habakkuk is seeing right now. He says, this is Habakkuk's voice, Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Did you ever feel like that? 
God, I'm crying out. Where are you? You're not listening to me. Well, Habakkuk is feeling this way. Even cry out to you, violence. There's violence all around. And you will not save? Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble for plundering or, or stealing? And violence are before me. There is strife or disagreement and contention or conflict everywhere. Therefore, the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. Things just get worse and worse is Habakkuk's prayer to God. The Lord says to him in verse 5, Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded or dumbfounded, it means. For I will work a work in your days which you will not even believe, though it were told to you. For indeed, listen to the words of God carefully. For indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans. Who are the Chaldeans? The enemy. God says, I'm raising up the enemy. I'm raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and a hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that aren't theirs. There will be an enemy that is wreaking havoc in the earth that is taking land that's not even theirs. Sound familiar? They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses are also swifter than leopards and more fierce than evening wolves. Their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like sand. They scoff at kings and princes are scorned by them. They deride every stronghold for they heap up earthen mounds and seize it. And then his mind changes and he transgresses. He commits offense, ascribing this power to his lowercase God. Verse 12, then the prophet replies back to God. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. What is that right there? God just told Habakkuk, I know there's sin wreaking havoc across your people. I know things are a mess. And God then says to him, but you know what? I'm going to use the enemy to rise up to wake my people up so that they will turn from their sin because of the oppression. It's, I talked to Pastor Dale about this. It's the whole sowing and reaping aspect. It's the whole sowing and reaping truth. Is it not? You sow for evil, you're going to reap evil. You sow for good and righteousness, you're going to reap that back. You plant carrot seeds, what are you going to get? It's a whole thing. And God says, listen, my people are sinning against me. And so I'm going to use that one thing they seem to be wanting to be a part of. And and I'm going to use it to turn them towards me again. And Habakkuk's like, why couldn't you just give me a good word? Why do you got to get all nasty, God, and and, and crazy like this? Do you you agree? Like, why couldn't you say, I will stand up for thee and I will destroy thee now and you shall praise me only. That's what we want to hear. But God did not say that right now. God said things are going to get worse. You're going to see these evil men rise up. And what's the, what's the thing of why do I want this to happen? What do I want to see from this, God says? That people turn to me. And they see how utterly hopeless it is without me. And so it's like, oh, that's not the answer I was wanting. But look at Habakkuk's reply. Are you not from everlasting? Are you not? My Lord and my God, we will not die. Sounds like hope to me, does it not? Sounds like faith to me. In the midst of darkness, when circumstances are awful, he speaks forth faith upon his lips. Despite what I see, you are my God, is what he says. When trouble is everywhere, all around me, I will trust in you. You are my God. Chapter 2, verse 1. Habakkuk says this, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. I love that. I love what he said there. I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to continue to stand here and seek God and I'm going to let him correct me because I know I don't have all the answers. 
Oh God, I don't, I don't understand what you just told me. But I believe you're my God. I believe you're for me. And I declare in Jesus' name by faith, I'm not going to die because you're my God. And so I stand here without much understanding at all. And if you need to correct me, do so. But say what you need to say to me is the reply of Habakkuk. And then verse 4, God replies and says, in the last part of this answer, verse 4, he says, behold the proud, look around. Again, you, you see the destruction, you see the evil, you see the proud man. He says, his soul is not upright in him, but the just or the righteous shall live by his or her faith. God says, I know. Keep looking, Habakkuk. It's not getting any better. Keep looking, church. It's not getting any better. Evil's getting worse and worse. Ever since 9-11, terrorism has just gone crazy. Gone crazy. You look at, you look at how ISIS is just showing up everywhere, whether it's Australia or or France, and, and it's just wreaking havoc. Of, and it's not going to get better. It's not going to get better. And God, God's like, yeah, it's not going to get better. Jesus said in the last days, evil and wicked men are going to grow worse and worse. He says, but if you're a Christian, just keep walking by your faith. It's not going to be easy all the time. You might suffer some loss. You will, you will go through the valley. I'll be with you. You'll, you'll walk through the fire. You'll feel the heat, but you won't get burned because I'll be with you. You might cry yourself to sleep for maybe weeks or months on end every night because of this burden you're dealing with. But I'm there with you. Your job, Christian, my job, it's very simple. We keep our eyes on Jesus and we trust him. And we hold on. We guard our faith. We guard it. And we refuse in the authority of Jesus, no matter how we feel, no matter what we're going through, Satan, you will not take this from me. I will not be one of those people that depart from my faith in Jesus. I will, I'll be like Pastor Saeed and I will stand strong. And oh God, we pray right now for him. Holy Spirit, be with him. Oh God, be with him. Set him free. And give him faith to trust you right now, O oh God. Let him not recant his faith in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. But it's true, amen. I want to close with this. Habakkuk 3, verse 17. He says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of my olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, Though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high hills. Amen. He says, I know things are an absolute mess in my life right now. And I don't have a clue why, Lord, I'm trying to serve you and seek you, but I don't know why it's going so bad. He says, but I am going to rejoice anyway. And I tell you, that's pretty easy for me to read this to you this morning. But it's another thing for this guy to do that. It really is. Would I write a letter like Pastor Saeed, if that was me there, would I write a letter like that? Would I? I don't know. I pray that God, by God's grace I would. But oh, how we need Jesus. How we need Jesus. Amen. One last verse. Hebrews 10.23 Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful who promised. Amen. Amen. Worship team, you can come.
we can stand in this church. You can just play something behind me, Paula. If you need God right now to help you, just come forward. We're going we're gonna to pray. If you need help, if your faith is, man, in a, in a fight like never before right now, and you feel Satan's grip trying to rip that faith from you, just come forward, even just now, anytime. Just If you need God to touch you to increase your faith, if you need a touch from God, we are going to believe him. I, again, we are believing God. We are believing God Almighty. He is our help. Jesus, you are our help. And we come to you, Lord, this morning, God, and we ask you for your help, Lord. Hallelujah. You're a very present help in times of trouble. Lord, our prayer is the same prayer as we already read. Where does my help come from? I don't find help in my friends. I don't find help in my spouse. I don't find help in anyone, Lord. My help must come from you, God. And so, Lord, we're here this morning, God. We're here this morning asking you for help, Lord. We're asking you for help. I ask that your Holy Spirit would move now through this congregation, oh God. Father God, I know what it's like to go through life feeling oppressed, feeling weary, feeling tired from, from the labor, from the fight, oh God. Tired from the fight, oh God. Lord, I relate with these people. Lord, my prayer this morning also that you would help me. God, that you would help me. Help me, Lord. And I thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Let's just worship God. We're going to pray. Thanks for listening to Matt Noel Ministries Sermon Podcasts. I trust you were blessed by today's episode. We'll see you next time. God bless.